Shannon Gilbert was last seen alive on May 1st, 2010, when she ran screaming into the night, convinced that someone was trying to kill her. Her mother, Mary, put the pressure on the police to find her daughter, determined to keep Shannon from becoming another missing person statistic. The police employed a canine unit to diligently search the Oak Beach area beginning in the summer of 2010. Seven months after Shannon went missing, the canine unit was near Gilgo Beach when the dog alerted to human remains. But it wasn't Shannon, and the case was about to get a lot more complicated. I'm Marina, with me I have my best friend Laura, and this is Grim. not me completely forgetting why you picked this case and that there are like recent even more recent development i completely (laughs) forgot all that i'm like whoa and we're in long island (laughs) i really i just well to my credit i really as soon as i knew you were picking up this case i purposely did not look at any news articles or anything so i genuinely don't know anything about it i appreciate it um but i was i was enthralled in your intro and this is part duh (laughs) <laughs> part two of the long island serial killer so if of, you haven't of two don't of worry two, yes. don't worry part, part two of two and i probably could have made it three parts if i included every piece of information that existed on the internet <laughs> but like for the interests of my sanity and for your ear holes i just didn't and also you'd probably kill us if we did two back-to-back three yeah parters, just so. it felt ex- it, it didn't feel necessary no. i'll put it that way no um before we start, though, we have some Patreon shout-outs. my favorite. Woo-hoo. So first up, we have Laurel L. Woo, Laurel! I love that we name. We love you. It's like the prettier version of my name. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> Next up, we have Samantha G. Woo, Samantha, Samantha, we love you. We love Thank you. Thank you so much. Kenzie M. Kenzie. Kenzie. We, we love you. Woo. We love Thank you, Kenzie. You. And Karina with a C. Karina Woo. with a C. Woo. And thanks for joining the Discord. It's been awesome already. <laughs> that was her last name on Patreon. Yeah. With a C. Karina <laughs> really, with a C. I liked it. I liked it too. Um, and as a quick reminder, if you missed the announcement in the Discord, uh, and if you're not in there, you should just get in there, <laughs> or at the beginning of part one of the Long Island Serial Killer, or if you missed our Instagram post, this is your reminder that Laura's very, 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 very very pregnant with a little baby gremlin and this will be our last quote regular episode for the duration of laura's maternity leave Mm -hmm. because we want to give her the chance to i don't know like raise a newborn (laughs) without having to uh research case notes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but to be clear she will be back and we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming before you know it And I know I understand that we will be desperately missed, but as much as we love you all to the very depths of our souls, we also do have lives. And like Mm -hmm. I said, Laura Mm -hmm. needs to sleep when she can. I appreciate that. But with that being said, I love you all so much and I love to (laughs) overextend myself and be insane. So I am going to try to continue to give you some content. As I previously mentioned, we'll have maybe some guests. I might do some little cases, Mm -hmm. throw in some different stuff to keep it interesting. So keep an eye out. But everyone just... 
just remember to stay calm. Like it's going to be okay. <laughs> yes. It's going to be okay. And we have enough episodes out there. I think many of you have actually listened multiple times, but you could always go back. And if you aren't already part of the Patreon, you first of all, didn't get a cool shout out. So consider that, <laughs> but you also can get bonus episodes. So if you haven't yet done that, um, you can do that and get a bunch of episodes there too. Yeah. And then we have the discord, which we do talk about stuff and share cases. It's not quite the same right. as like us talking, but I will be on there probably at like three in the morning. So yes. if you really want to talk to me, you can do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also I'm 90% sure that 90% of the people on our discord know our episodes better than we do. Um, yes. And not, like our jokes. 90% I of the time <laughs> they know every time. <laughs> I almost went for the anger man statistic and yep. I just, I blacked out while I, I got was you. mid sentence, but in, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> So for this episode, I again read the book Lost Girls, The Unsolved American Mystery of the Gilgo Beach Serial Killer Murders by Robert Kolker, which probably needs a new title at this point. But (laughs) I also relied on the court documents relative to an arrest that was made recently. And I got great information from a plethora of articles from New York Times, CNN, ABC, and some local papers. Can I make a uh, comment that is, it's not distasteful, really. It's just in the, you know, this is a serious case. Every time I see Gilgo, do you know what I think? Yeah. Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Yeah. I thought you were going to say dildo. So, oh no, no. When you hear it, that's what you want to say. Okay. When you see it written, I want to say Gilgo. (laughs) Gilgo, jiggle. Yeah. So there's that. Okay. You're welcome for that grim fact. Now I'm going to be seeing dildo in my notes, (laughs) like as I read it. So thanks a lot. Sorry. Gilgo. Yeah. Gigolo. What is it? Bruce uh, Gigolo? That, Bruce yeah. Digolo, the male Gigolo? <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> something like that. That is exactly what I imagine. That's why I said it's kind of distasteful because obviously this is a very serious case with real lives, as yes. we always say. Yes. Um, but I had, it's just been in my head. Well, you should have just waited like I do, like right before you're going to say the worst thing in the whole case for me to make a joke. And then you're like, and then they died. And I'm like, I'm really sorry. Yeah. I didn't know nope. it was coming. Nope. Okay. So when we last left off... Uh, Yeah, when we last left off, Maureen Brainerd Barnes, Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello had disappeared over the course of a few years. We finished the episode talking about Shannon Gilbert. Shannon was the one who'd had the incident with the John Mm -hmm. in Long Island where she freaked out and called 911 before she took off running into the night and her driver was following her. Oh, that's right. We're going to rewind a smidge and we're going to pick it back up there. Okay. So while Shannon was in Joseph Brewer's home, so that's the John. Mm -hmm. Um, after being there for about two to three hours, she freaked out and had this incident. And at 4.51 a.m. on Saturday, May 10th, 2010, is when she called 911. Mm-hmm. She told the dispatcher, someone's after me. She's calm and stoic in the beginning, and Joseph and Michael can be heard talking to her. And the 911 dispatcher just keeps like saying, like, hello, hello, where are you? Like, what's going on? Whoa. And she's just like, somebody's after me. Somebody's after me. And then you can hear her saying to Michael, at least Michael, maybe Joseph too, but she says, what are you going to do to me? Are you going to kill me? Are you going to kill me? What? But she's saying it like she's so stoic when she's saying it. it's really bizarre. So while she's on the phone, she runs out of Joseph's house and up the street to the home of Gus Coletti, who lived on the same street. Mm-hmm. It was about two-tenths of a mile away. It was around five in the morning at this point, and Gus was awake. He was shaving when he heard her banging on the door. He goes to the door, and he asks Shannon, are you okay? What's going on? Mm. Is somebody after you? Uh, Shannon just kept saying, help me, to him. 
And Gus called 911 himself and told Shannon to take a seat and wait for the police. Shannon just stared at him and then she took off running again. Weird. She was hiding under his boat in his yard before she took off again. He saw her running and Michael was trailing after her in a dark SUV. Shannon ran down the street to another neighbor's house, Barbara Brennan, and she was banging on her door. Barbara called 911 and in the call you can hear Shannon like pounding on the door. Um, But unlike Gus, she didn't answer the door. And at some points in the call, in the 911 call that Shannon made, you could hear her screaming, like, while she's running. The dispatcher asked uh, Shannon when she was on the phone where she was, and Shannon said she didn't know. She told her she was on Long Island, but she she didn't tell her which county she was in. Oh, jeez. She asked the dispatcher to trace the call, but she said she couldn't. And Shannon had been on the phone with them for 22 minutes and 42 seconds. And the dispatcher never figured out where she was. What kind of a mile time is that? I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> um, so Shannon's called. Nine- was, it, was it that bad? <laughs> I didn't understand it. Oh, okay. I meant like, because you said it was two tenths of a mile and then she went further up the road. Oh. So it was 22 minutes. I was like trying to figure out what her mile time was. <laughs> I was like, geez, is my joke that bad? <laughs> no, I didn't understand it. And I um... just wanted to roll right past it. <laughs> okay. <Yes>. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Which I do that to my husband all the time. And he's like. He'll ask a follow-up question. I'll be like, oh, wait, I don't know what. And he'll be like, really? You were just going to ignore me? And I'm like, so sorry. It's the ostrich approach. (laughs) I take it in many ways. Sort of like when I ask someone what they said, and I will only do it two times. And if I don't hear it the two times, I just let it ride. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. Networking (laughs) events are very stressful for me for that reason. (laughs) Yes. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Moving They're like, really? Three people you killed? (laughs) Wow. You're like, like, wait, what? (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. So Shannon's call 911 started at 450 inside Joseph House, and the police didn't arrive to the gated community until 540 a.m. It was in response to Gus's call that had been only 20 minutes earlier, but Shannon was long gone by that time. Yeah. Because again, people gave the police shit for their response time, but the police didn't know where she was. She couldn't, she wasn't giving them any information, which I thought 911 could trace calls, but... I thought so too, because presumably she was on a cell phone um, if she's running yeah. with her being on nine, uh, calling. No, the landline cords were really long in 2010. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would think that too, like something with the cell towers and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. then did they not put together that Gus's call was connected to Shannon's? Like, because I can understand that he's calling from a landline, I'm no, sure. No, they so. knew they were connected. Oh, okay then. Well, no. af- I think after the fact. Right, but that's what I mean. Like when he first called, they were like, this is another 911 call, but they know where it's from. So yes. I don't one know. of the, so one of the problems was I was going to get into this later, but Sorry. I'll just jump to it now. That's okay. Um, because it's relevant mm. because she couldn't say where she was or what County she was in. Her call got transferred to the New York state police. Oh, so I don't know. I don't know how long it took them to connect Shannon's call with Gus's call, but it did take a while for them to connect Shannon's missing persons report that was filed in New Jersey with the, with this phone call with this 911 call. So it was just a mess across the board. It was a mess. Yes. Because she, and her, and it doesn't sound, I mean, I'm not saying that I would be coherent in this situation either, but it doesn't sound like she's helping herself. Um, Like you, if you stopped at two people's houses, you could probably ask, where am I? Right, you know, right, or, or, or like an stay address. at one of their houses, or it is you know, very. Yeah, the call is very bizarre because mm. it's 
you know, I read about it before I listened to it mm-hmm. and I expected it to be like frantic, like help me. Somebody's after me. Come like, right. she's just like, somebody's after me. Weird. And they're like, ma'am, where are you? She's like, somebody's after me. Like, that's literally how she says it. It's so weird was she i mean if you're gonna get into this we can talk about it later but like was she drugged or something so that was that was the what the police thought that she was in like some drug induced psychosis basically um but there was never any evidence of that but it just there are times on the call where she's incoherent talking but it's like maybe the phone's in her pocket too it's hard to say but it's very yeah bizarre and then she's talking to michael and she's like you were in on this weren't you and Michael's like, what are you talking about? Like, I just met this guy. Like, can you just come? And the guy's like, let's all go outside. Let's just all go. Like, they're just trying to get her out of the house. And she doesn't want to leave the house. She's like, please, no. Like, shut the door. Leave me alone. Very weird. Do you have any of the, like, can we listen to the 911 call? Yeah, the whole, the whole thing is out there, but it's, um, 22, 23 (laughs) minutes. Um, but there is like the clip that I was looking at earlier, they cut out not like the juicier parts, but like yeah. the parts that didn't have just straight background noise. Yeah. So we can, I pulled it up and we can listen to a little bit just so you can hear like yeah. the way she's talking. Okay. Ready? Mm-hmm. State police. Yeah. There's somebody after me. I'm sorry. There's somebody after me. Where are you? There's somebody after me. Okay. Where are you? There's somebody after me. Where are you, ma'am? I don't know. You're driving right now? No, I'm inside the house. I'm sorry? I'm inside the house. What house? I don't know. Can you trace where I am? I'm sorry? Can you trace where I am? No, I can't. What's your callback number you're calling from? Huh? What phone number are you calling from? Somebody's after me. Please. Are you in Suffolk County or Nassau County? Um, I'm in Long Island. Where on Long Island are you? So that was just a piece of it. And yeah. the person that was just talking was the John saying he wants to talk to you like Michael. But do you hear, isn't it weird that yeah. she's, she's just like, somebody's after me, please. I, I, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know enough to, it seems like she's drugged or something. Like, it's like, it's something she seems so lost. I know. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, she just seems like it, it almost feels like when you're trying to run in your dreams, like, right. but, but the way she's talking is like, she's like, it feels like she's trying to say like, there's someone after me, but then something like yeah. something's wrong because even Michael pointed out. So in the call, Michael's like, you're like, are you okay? Like what yeah. is happening? Yeah. And Michael made the point that she's an escort. Like yeah. escorts don't call 911 because they're out doing something illegal. No. So for her to be calling 911 and it's, it's very bizarre. Yeah. And it, especially for them to be like, instead of them being like, don't call or get off the phone or like whatever, they're like, are you okay? Right. Like, like yeah. yeah, they're just very trying to get weird. her out of the house. I, it's very bizarre. And your, when I, your impression was pretty good, by the th- way. Thank you. Yeah. Somebody's after me. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ugh. just very stoic and creepy. Yeah. Um, when Shannon didn't return home by Sunday, her boyfriend Alex was worried, rightfully mm-hmm. so. He found Michael Pack's number to call, that's the driver, mm-hmm. and see if he knew where she was. 
And Michael was surprised to hear that Shannon wasn't with Alex, which is not what you want to hear when you call someone to be like, she's with you, right? Mm -hmm. Alex was mad that Michael left her because he was responsible for her as her driver. So Michael explained Shannon's erratic behavior and how he lost her. Yeah. Alex called Shannon's mother and sisters to check with them and let them know Shannon hadn't come home. Mary, Sherry, and Sarah were immediately panicked, especially given Shannon's line of work and filed a missing persons report in New Jersey. Mm Mm-hmm. Alex and Michael called local hospitals looking for Shannon. Alex called and spoke to Joseph Brewer, who basically said it wasn't his problem. He didn't know where she was, which I wouldn't want to be involved with any of it. I'd be like, okay, I'm all set now. Alex didn't understand what could have set her off two to three hours into this call with this guy. Alex went to Oak Beach to file a police report as well. Well, he tried. Alex told the police what happened to Shannon and how she was missing. Police said she sounded like a runaway and she was probably already home. When Alex said she hadn't been home and that he was from Jersey City, Long Island officers punted and told him to file the report there, which they'd already done. And there's nothing more frustrating than people just pointing fingers at each other like, oh, it's not my jurisdiction. Yep. And as I mentioned before, the two states being involved complicated matters because the New York State Police didn't put the 911 call together with the New Jersey missing police, missing persons report. After Shannon was missing for eight days with no news from police, Shannon's family went to Oak Beach to look for her. The family canvassed the neighborhood, passed out flyers, and interviewed everyone they could to try to put together a timeline. Shannon's mother, Mary, was frustrated with the police from the start. She felt that they weren't taking the case seriously enough because her daughter had been an escort. So she put the pressure on. She spoke to the press every chance she got, and they were working on the investigation themselves. There were three possible suspects in Shannon's disappearance. The John, Joseph Brewer, who said that he had no idea what set Shannon off and that he just wanted her out of his house. Mm -hmm. Her driver, Michael Pack, who'd been looking for Shannon and said he had nothing to do with her disappearance. Both Joseph and Michael passed polygraph tests and were cleared as suspects. Mm. But there was a third man, Dr. C. Peter Hackett, of whom many became suspicious. So let's talk a little bit about Mm. him. Now... It's possible that Dr. Hackett may have just been that weird dude who wants to be more involved in things than he actually is. Like the Dane Cook washing a dish guy who wants to tell the police that he heard the car accident. (laughs) Or it could be more than that. But this is very bizarre. Two days after Shannon was last seen on May 3rd, 2010, Mary got a call from Dr. Hackett at her house. He told Mary that he lived in Oak Beach on Long Island and that he ran a home for wayward girls. He said Shannon had been at his house the night before and that she was incoherent. He said he took her into his home to rehab and help her, that he gave her medication to calm her down, and that her driver came to pick her up the next day. I, if, even if that happened exactly how it, he said it did, that is still disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. I just It gives me the creeps. Your face is telling me that. I know. I realized I had to say that out loud. (laughs) Dr. Hackett said he uh, was worried about Shannon and wanted to check on her. And Mary was confused and asked how he got her number. And he said he required anyone who came to his house to give him emergency contact information. Okay. Also, we know that Shannon wasn't with Michael. Like that, that he didn't just After that. Yeah. So I think the timing of this, my understanding Mm. of the timing of this is that Mary got the call from this guy like shortly before she got the call from um, Alex that she oh, was oh, missing. Oh, okay. 
because oh, that's even weirder because at the time that she got the call i don't even i think she was like who are you like what are yeah. you talking about and sort of ignored oh. it and then when she found out shana was missing she's like wait i got that call oh. from that weird guy that's even stranger very bizarre so after mary and shannon's sisters got the call from alex they went to oak beach sarah and sherry went to talk to dr hackett to determine if he had any additional information that would help them find their sister but when they got there Dr. Hackett denied ever calling Mary and said he'd never met Shannon. What? Then on May 6, 2010, three days after Dr. Hackett made the initial call to Mary, he called her again to tell her that he had never encountered Shannon and that he'd never called Mary before. But then... <laughs> where? He's, but, like, he's like, I'm just calling on this number that I didn't previously right. know to tell you that we've never spoken before because I don't know you or your daughter. <laughs> right. And I definitely didn't get emergency contact information. And that's how I have it. Even right. though that was also a lie right. at the time. But okay. it yeah. checks out. It checks out. What? The story checks out. What? Despite this oddity, the police never really considered him a suspect. What? Why not? <laughs> I just think it's so weird. Yeah. It's weird. It's very frustrating. I don't know why. Like I, we all these cases we read constant, constantly. They're like we ran out of leads. We ran out of people to talk to. Like we exhausted everything. Like mm-hmm. the what? Why wouldn't you at least talk to him? Anyone in contact? And maybe they did talk yeah, to him, maybe. and and they cleared him. But it's just just seems like a good. It does seem like a good lead. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. The police were working on Shannon's case, but definitely not to the fullest extent possible. Shannon was just a run-of-the-mill missing person and an escort, so there was little momentum in her case. In fact, the police didn't even gather the Oak Beach security camera videos. Oh, come on. Oak Beach is a gated community, and there are security cameras that record the front gate at all hours. The video was stored on a hard drive for a month, and when the police responded to Gus Coletti's call, he told them about the hard drive and who was in charge of it. The police came back to ask about it eight months after shannon disappeared i'm so i i want to believe that people try to do their jobs well and i just get so frustrated i don't know anything about how investigations happen so i can't judge on whether Mm. that was good or bad it's just very frustrating from our perspective i think it's probably not good if someone's like by the way there's video and you should get it and here's where it is and here's the person you need to talk to and they're like Eight months later. Oh, do you have that video? Like, come on. Like, just go get it. Just go get it. They're offering it to you. Yeah. For what it's worth, I don't think it would have provided any helpful information because she was just running off into the night with Michael Pack following her. Um, And there were eyewitnesses to that. But it's still like, you just never know. (sighs) You never know. Yeah. But Shannon's family kept the pressure on and the search for Shannon continued. Over the summer, Suffolk police officer John Malia searched the whole neighborhood of Oak Beach with his canine German Shepherd Blue, which when I hear Blue, I think of the raptor from Jurassic Park. Oh, I think of old school. You're oh. my boy, Blue. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. No luck, if you could call it that, until December. Mid-afternoon on Saturday, December 11th, 2010, Blue got a hit. He was walking along the parkway near Gilgo Beach in Long Island when Blue's tail started wagging. Mm. Blue buried his snout and dug with his forepaws, and Officer Malia could see that Blue had found something or someone. Blue had uncovered a set of human remains wrapped in burlap. And two days later, police found three additional sets of remains also wrapped in burlap, evenly spaced from where (gasps) Blue found the initial set of remains. First of all, can you imagine just being on the beach and accidentally stumbling upon that? 
I know. Well, I mean, you're looking for a body. Like when I first started no, like reading, not if it weren't them, oh yeah, you were just like out for a beach day. No, that would be awful. That would be horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would be that person that stumbles upon animal bones and I'm like, I found a human and they'd be like, no, it's animal bones. I'd be like, not, not, not in my head, not in this story that shall be retold to eternity. Uh, in late January, the DNA samples from all four sets of remains were positively identified for the four missing women, oh. Maureen, Melissa, Megan, and Amber. You knew it was coming. It's mm-hmm. just very sad. Despite the proximity of the bodies to one another and the similarities in the burial of the remains, the police commissioner, Richard Dormer, originally said, I don't want anyone to think we have a Jack the Ripper running around Suffolk County with blood dripping from a knife, which might be the impression that some people would get. This is an anomaly. Don't worry. I, I understand that he's trying to not, you know, to keep yeah. from panic, but at the same time, like there is actually someone right. running around killing people. Maybe so. keep an eye out. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, mm-hmm. I don't know, be a little cautious. Yeah. Yeah. Although a shocking discovery, the police had to keep moving because they still hadn't found Shannon. Right. The Suffolk County Police Department is the 12th largest police department in the country with about 2,500 officers and 22 canines. Despite how large the department was, the police had a ton of ground to cover, mm. so they called in reinforcements. They brought in 150 officers from the state police, the wow. state park police, the police from neighboring Nassau County, and a busload of police recruits. They brought in fire trucks with long ladders extended out so they could search over brush, uh, and they also wow. had searchers in, going into the bramble while others stayed in the buckets above to, wow. to help them out. The police started their search back up on March 29th, 2011, and that's when they found even more bodies. Oh, my God. The police found the remains of 20-year-old Jessica Taylor. Her torso was initially discovered on July 26, 2003 in Manorville, New York. And in March 2011, they found her skull and her forearm on Gilgo Beach, and they were matched to her prior remains. Oh, my God. But it wasn't Shannon. Right. Five days later, on April 4th, 2011, police found three more bodies. <gasps> None of them were Shannon either. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on out there out there in Long Island? I don't know. One of the sets of remains belonged to Jane Doe, number six, who was later identified as 24-year-old Valerie Mack, yeah. a sex worker from Philadelphia who was last seen in the spring of 2000. Wow. Like Jessica Taylor... Some of her remains, specifically her torso, had been discovered in Manorville, New York, a few months after her disappearance, and her head, hands, and right foot were found on Gilgo Beach in April 2011. So not at all. None of these are connected whatsoever. No, no. They, they're linking that one. They're linking um, the two Jessica ones. Taylor. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, that seems very coincidental if they're not related. <sighs> yeah. Uh, the next person... Uh, person, if you will, that they found uh, was a body that belonged to what they called baby doe. The baby was found wrapped in a blanket (gasps) and was between 18 and 24 months old when she died. Investigators say they're unsure if she was murdered as there were no signs of trauma. Oh my God. I didn't see that coming. So she was buried near um, Valerie Mack, but she was not Valerie's baby. So strange. And did, did her DNA match was she related to anyone else, any of the other bodies? She was. Oh. But they hadn't found the body yet. Oh, my God. Um, they next found um, John Doe, who they oh. called, a.k.a. Asian male. 
He was the only male victim in this group. He died of blunt force trauma, and he was wearing women's clothing in his burial ground. Um, On April 11th, the police found two more bodies, neither of which were Shannon. What on earth? I I know. I was reading this, and I was like, ah. Yeah. Like, stop digging. Like, they're just digging up. I just can't believe there's that many bodies, like, buried. Oh, my God. Was it... Did you you listen to the podcast Serial? Uh, no. Oh. There... I, I think it was in Serial where they're talking about this forest where the girl's body was found and, like, how all of these like mafias and stuff bury in that forest. And mm. if you, if you're looking for a body, you're going to dig one up, but it may not necessarily oh be the one yeah. you're looking for. And that's like exactly what's happening oh out here God. on long Island. Yikes. Um, so the remains, the two remains that they found on April 11th, uh, the first one was matched to Karen Vergata, who they had originally been calling fire Island Jane Doe and Jane Doe number seven. Her severed legs were found wrapped in plastic on Fire Island in 1996. Oh, my God. And they matched the remains they found on April 11th to those yep. prior remains. And then police also found Jane Doe number three, whom they called Peaches due to a peach tattoo that was on her body. She was the mother of baby Doe. Oh. So even though she wasn't buried with her, they did confirm that she was the mother. Um, and investigators think they died at the same time, oh my God. which leads to more questions and answers. Like, why would they be so far apart if they, it, this whole, everything about there's, this is there's, crazy. There's like a police chart mm-hmm. of where the bodies yeah. were found and the distances yeah. between them. And yep. I'll post that on our Instagram when we post this episode, but wow, it's, it's just insane. It's cause it's also the years keep going back and back and back, yes. which means this has been going on right for at least almost 20 years actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And while this is a staggering amount of bodies being found, the powers that be did not consider them all linked, and I can see why. Only the Gilgo Beach Four were wrapped in burlap and buried near each other. These other bodies were scattered. And during a press conference, the district attorney said the area in and around Gilgo Beach had been used to discard human remains for some period of time. As distasteful and disturbing as that is, there's no evidence that all of these remains are the work of a single killer. I uh, I guess if you know that that's a place that people try to dump bodies, then maybe I can get behind that. It, it is like a little confusing that they would all be right there not related. But I guess I if you're looking at factors beyond just the location. And I mean, prior to this, I don't think that they knew this was a place that people well, buried bodies saying. until like, they started digging. And now they're like, yeah. okay, like it's clear. Like so, if it were one of those mafia things where right. like, okay, over the seventies and eighties, they always found bodies here. Like then I could get behind that. But I just feel like it, I mean, it, the location and that being, there being that many bodies there seems significant to me. I just wonder if you were in like Vegas and you started digging up a desert that was like near the strip like don't you think you might come across a couple bodies of how how big a um a radius are we talking here are we talking like a couple miles uh okay I don't know it's like the strip it's like the strip of beach that's like I'm I want to say it's three to five miles okay that's a lot more than I thought because I was gonna say if we're talking like a quarter mile oh, of no, no, distance. No. It's not like I'm, walking, I'm picturing, I'm well, pic- it's walking distance. But. Yeah. I was picturing like you like have a hole here and then, no, 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 you no, know, no, 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 no. Okay. All no. right. That's fair. And the Gilgo four were, were the closest together and like equidistant right. space. Okay. And then being, all buried in, in the buried. burlap and yeah. Okay. Yep. At okay. least three of the four were buried in the burlap. I was not expecting all the other bodies, but I, I can no. understand. 
I guess. I don't think police were either. Yeah, fair. To be quite honest. But they believe that they were looking for three to four killers. One was the one killer for the Gilgo Four, Uh one killer for Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack, the two with the torso in Manorville and Gilgo Beach, and then one to two killers for the four other bodies. I can see that. Yeah. So we'll be circling back to talk about the Gilgo Beach Four, but I want to finish discussing Shannon's case. Oh, yeah. Um, So to recap, in the search for Shannon, the police found 10 bodies, eight suffocated or strangled, and none of them Shannon. Mm. Shannon had been missing for 10 months, and her family was starting to Mm. lose hope. The police began to work through the marsh area near where Shannon went missing, and that's when they found her. Mm. On December 13th, 2011, Shannon's body was found in the marsh not far from where she'd called 911. She was found 158 feet south of Ocean Parkway, which is three-quarters of a mile from where she was last seen. And there's actually video it's like drone video and, and a video of someone walking through these reeds in the Mm -hmm. marsh. And they're explaining that the, the reeds can grow up to 12 feet. Um, and the officials performed an autopsy and they ruled her cause of death to be undetermined saying they just didn't have enough information to conclude how she died one way or another, whether it was accidental or suspicious. Yeah. And they, it was their opinion that it was a freak accident that she got turned around in this marsh and she died of what though? Like, did she drown? Was there enough water to drown in or like, what was the actual cause of death? Undetermined. So not only did they not know manner of death, but they didn't know the cause. No. Fascinating. Undetermined. I wonder, was her body so decomposed that they couldn't, it just, it seems crazy to me that they couldn't. I mean, 10 months out in the elements. I guess, but they couldn't, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Her mother disagreed. Yeah. Her mother felt that Dr. Hackett was the prime suspect and she had her phone records pulled and made public and they showed that Dr. Hackett had indeed called her even though he had denied it initially. Mm-hmm. He finally admitted later that he called her, but he said it was later in the week at the request of friends that were looking for Shannon. Mary so strongly believed that Dr. Hackett was responsible for Shannon's death that he fi- she filed a wrongful death suit against him in November 2012, and she alleged that Dr. Hackett took in Shannon when she was scared and gave her drugs that led to her death. The police didn't share Mary's suspicions, yeah. and again, they said that he was someone who was known for inserting himself into events, and his wife and two kids were home at the time. <sighs> Despite the very bizarre and concerning circumstances surrounding Shannon's death, the police believe that she was on drugs and accidentally fell and drowned in the marshland. So they're yeah. hypothesizing that she drowned, but they they don't know. Yeah. But Shannon's family got an independent autopsy, and that report came out in 2016. And the pathologist also noted that there was insufficient evidence to conclude the cause of death, but said that the findings were consistent with possible homicidal strangulation as a possible Mm. cause of death. They also did not find any drugs in her system. Would they have? Maybe in like the bone marrow. Yeah, I don't, I, that's a genuine question. I don't, I'm not sure. I couldn't find the pathology report, but, um, give me the pathology report. (laughs) Give it to me. Um, as a side note, that hurts her claims against Dr. Hackett yeah, if she's saying that totally. he drugged her and, and she got lost. But yeah. that lawsuit was dismissed in 2018 yeah. because there's just, just not enough evidence, not enough. Yeah. 
Uh, Correct. That's so frustrating. And now, even though the police felt that Shannon's death was accidental from the very beginning, they refused to release the audio or transcript of Shannon's 911 call, stating that it was part of an ongoing investigation. Shannon's family had to sue to gain access to it. And in 2018, a judge ruled that they had to turn it over. And they appealed that decision, saying that it would jeopardize their ongoing investigations. Even though they said that her death was accidental. I've been watching too much Suits because I'm like, I, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> I know about this. I know. <laughs> so it ended up getting released. But um, yeah. unfortunately, Shannon's mother is no longer alive to mm. help get any more answers about her daughter's Poor untimely thing. death. On July 23rd, 2016, when Mary was 52 years old, she received a call from her daughter, Sarah. Sarah was having a mental health crisis and told her mother that she was hearing voices and she needed help. Mary and Sarah lived in the same apartment building, so Mary went to Sarah to help her. When she got there, Sarah stabbed Mary 227 times with a 15-inch kitchen knife, bludgeoned her with a fire extinguisher, sprayed her with the foam, removed her clothes, and then took her jewelry. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. You didn't see that coming, did you? No. I'm... It's speechless. The misfortune that hit oh this family God. is um, unbelievable. <laughs> and Sarah was charged with murder and yeah. she tried to plead yeah. insanity and the judge didn't buy it. I, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. know. The, the manner. I think you have to be insane. The, right. Like yeah. 220. Holy that's definitely shit. like a crime of passion. Yeah. Like, you know the person. 220. That could be a case in and of itself because I would be so interested to understand what their relationship was like, what happened after Shannon went missing, like, and then was discovered. And yeah, there's so much behind that that we could never, we could never, we don't know. Wow. Holy shit. Yes. Yep. So she was sentenced to 25 years to life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. To this day, it remains unknown exactly what happened to Shannon and no one has been charged with her murder. (sighs) That's frustrating because I just, I mean, yes, freak accidents can happen. It's just the whole series of events. So, I mean, doesn't seem related to the other deaths. No. Um, I think it's just an unfortunate coincidence in the timing, location, and all that. But it does seem strange. Like, yes, freak accidents can happen, but that's so strange. Yeah. I don't know about, I don't know about the drowning, but I... I just do feel like it was an accident. I yeah. feel like she yeah. had some some sort of mental health crisis or some sort of break because on the 911 call, it's yeah. just so bizarre. And yeah. even like her driver who was close to her, like sh- she could be erratic, but not like he's like, right. are you okay? Right. Like what is happening? And then actually it's Sarah, her sister, right? Yeah. Um, maybe there was something that they both struggled with mm-hmm. that was underlying or something. Yeah. Um, who knows? I know. That is insane. That Again, that could have been a case in and of itself. Right. Wow. I know. Very bizarre. So now we'll go back to the Gilgo Beach Four. Yes. Uh, the police were able to put together a list of similarities between the four women from their initial discoveries and from additional information they learned as their deaths were investigated. They were all buried in close proximity, 22 to 33 feet from the edge of the parkway. All were petite females, approximately 22 to 27 years old, working as sex workers. All were missing clothing and possessions. All had contact with a person using a burner phone shortly Mm -hmm. before their disappearance. 
The cell phones of Melissa and Maureen were used by the killer after their deaths. And finally, each of the four victims were similarly positioned, bound by belts or tape. Mm. And three of the victims were wrapped in a burlap type material in their graves. Mm. And do we know how all of them died? Strangulation. It was. Okay. Mm -hmm. And based on all these similarities, police believed one person was responsible for these four murders. Oh, so that was how close I thought all of the bodies were. Is, oh yes, so like, that's why I was confused. But yes, I can see if that would be a grouping yes, these versus were, these five were miles. <laughs> yes, and like I said, I'll post the yeah. I'll post the diagram. But okay. yes, these four were the closest together. Got it. Up until 2016, there were few answers in the investigation. That may have been in part due to the actions of the chief of the Suffolk County Police Department at the time. Which up until 2016, it was James Burke. James turned down FBI assistance in the Lisk investiga- investigation, which mm-hmm. you would wonder why someone would turn down those resources. Yeah. It may have been to ensure that other things stayed in the dark. Uh-oh. In 2016, James Burke was convicted and sentenced to four years in a federal prison for beating a suspect. The suspect that he beat up had stolen Burke's gun belt and a duffel bag full of sex toys and porn from his SUV. Oh, my God. And then Burke asked other officers to lie for him (gasps) about it. And then after that came out, a woman who was an escort in Suffolk County came forward and said that Burke had made her engage in rough sex and then threw $300 at her. And she said that this was at a party in the same neighborhood where Shannon had gone missing a year prior. Mm. Burke's attorney obviously maintained that he had nothing to do with the Gilgo Beach victims or impeding the investigation, but it's just one more snafu that makes you question the police investigation and the what ifs Yep. and how the case might have progressed if the FBI was brought in sooner. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I mean, without knowing the rest of the case, like I don't actually think he had anything to do with the four murders. No, but, but I think there's a reason he had that duffel bag and this was not his first rodeo. And why and- would you tell the FBI no? Right. Exactly. Like that's the, like, I think that's the biggest piece of it. I'm not saying yeah. he impeded the investigation, but he didn't help it. If the I, FBI yeah. had gotten involved yeah. much sooner, like maybe it would have moved quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? So after 2016 with new leaders in the police force, the investigation continued, but still little progress was made until January, 2022. The Suffolk County District Attorney's Office assigned a team of investigators, analysts, and prosecutors to work with Suffolk County PD New York State Police, the Suffolk County Sheriff's Office, and the FBI. This team was tasked with meticulously reviewing every piece of evidence that had been obtained over the course of the investigation. Two months into this endeavor, the team connected a piece of evidence that would finally get the case moving. And as an aside, I I think we had this discussion in the Asia Degree case where investigators dig back in and get more information like decades later and... It makes sense to me, like, that's why cold case units exist, but it, it only makes sense when, to me, they're like, they went back and tested something with right. technology right, we didn't right. have before. Like, it's just crazy to me that a fresh set of eyes could look at this and come oh, up yeah. with something new. I think it's just sheer, it must be sheer volume of of information out there and, like, making yeah. different connections and all that. Colby um, missed her calling working, yes, she working in a cold yes, case. Yes, she did. This, yep. guy, this guy would have been caught decades Absolutely. ago. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So the critical piece of evidence, remember there was an eyewitness to Amber Costello's disappearance who had seen the ogre like John and they mm-hmm. saw that first generation Chevy Avalanche in the driveway. Yep. The vehicle is apparently relatively rare. And on March 14th, 2022, police found one registered to Rex A. Hewerman. 
This gave the police the traction they needed, given that Rex fit the description of the John provided by Amber Costello's pimp. He owned the Chevy Avalanche, which had been at the scene of Amber's disappearance, Mm -hmm. and he lived less than six miles from where the Gilgo Beach Four were discovered. So with this new connection, there was an extensive inquiry into Mr. Hewerman, which consisted of over 300 subpoenas and search warrants to look for evidence. As an aside, I'm just thinking about like how they, this information was out there before and Mm -hmm. just, I wonder if it's just a case of like somebody who got on the case that knows cars and just happened to know that that was a rare thing. Like the average person might not, but if you have, like my husband's really into cars, so he would know something like that. crazy i don't don't know why like it's also a possibility that maybe they were looking into this guy sooner like we don't have all the information because i saw a lot of articles that were like why didn't they connect him to this vehicle sooner because somebody pulled up like a google map image of this car like parked outside of his house in like 2011 right but you'd have to know to go to his house i don't buy that like you'd have to know to go to that what are you going to go to every single house on google images right no come on yeah unless they had his information but no so it's just yeah yeah, i think it took a fresh set of eyes and and putting these pieces together wow um but also 300 subpoenas that's a lot of paperwork sounds like a lot good for them yeah a lot of work yeah that's a lot of work before we get into what the police found i just want to give a little background on rex because Mm -hmm. for some he was a very unlikely suspect and for others he fit the bill Mm -hmm. i'm still disturbed that the hackett guy is like unrelated to this because he just seems so creepy and involved and I mean, he could be involved in Shannon's case, but true, true, that, true, true. that lawsuit yeah. was dropped. That's yeah. just, allegedly, it's all yep. allegations. Yep. Yeah. He mm-hmm. could just be a weirdo too. I know. Like some people are just weirdos. There's a lot of those out there. There yeah. are. Yeah. I know. Thank God not all of them commit murder. It's true. It's true. Some of them make podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Rex lived in the house that he grew up in, in Massapequa Park, which every time I say that, I don't think I'm, I feel like I'm saying it with too much emphasis. Massapequa. He was married to a woman named Asa Ellerup and had, uh, he has two children, a daughter, Victoria, and a son, Christopher. Uh, despite being a successful New York City architect with his own business, the Hewerman house was dilapidated, dilapidated. I said that weird. The house uh, that parents told their children to avoid on Halloween. Huh. It was that house. Yeah. Rex would chop wood in his front yard and throw shade at his neighbors while he was slinging the axe. Really creeping people out. <laughs> Speaking of creeps. Yeah. Yes. And neighbors said if they were walking and Rex was outside, they'd cross the street to avoid him. Oof. Another neighbor said he would drink beers with his buddy in his buddy's backyard, which is behind Rex's house. And they would sit on the porch and joke that Rex probably had bodies in his house. Oh, mm mm-mm. Which, there's there's one of those houses in my neighborhood. Yeah. There there are in every neighborhood. And we've definitely made the same jokes. And it's now creeping me out. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, no one would have suspected. And then other people are like, mine knew he had bodies in his basement. You know? (laughs) It goes both ways. Yep. That same neighbor decided to be brave one Halloween and go trick-or-treating because he wanted to get a peek inside. And they were shocked that Rex answered the door and he handed out small plastic pumpkins overflowing with candy. What? The kids brought it home and when their mom found out where the candy came from, she made them throw it out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And Rex wasn't just weird at home. There's a Whole Foods in Massapequa Park and there's a bowl out with clementines for the kids. Last summer, Rex showed up sweaty and wearing a dingy t-shirt and shorts, and he started pocketing the clementines. 
he took three and then he took more. The clerk was like, excuse me, sir, those are for the kids. And Rex got so mad and started yelling and was so heated, he had to be escorted out by the manager of Whole Foods. What? What a weird hill to die on. <laughs> like, it's okay, buddy. Like, He's like, they're free samples. <laughs> How much is a bag of clementines? <laughs> also, I was thinking classic Whole Foods. that just like has clementines out. My, my Aldi's doesn't, <laughs> just to be clear. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. He was a successful businessman, though. He owns his own company called RH Consultants and Associates, and his customer list includes American Airlines, Catholic Charities, and New York City's Department of Environmental Protection. Jeez. A property manager in Brooklyn, Stephen Cranberg, who worked with Rex for 30 years, described him as a gem to deal with, highly knowledgeable. A big, goofy guy, a little bit on the nerdy side, who worked long hours and was available day and night. Cranberg also said that Rex was devoted to his wife and his elderly mother. So split opinion on Rex, but that yeah. may be true for most people. Again, yeah, yeah. you know, true. some you don't people know, don't know what people do in the safety of their own home. Yeah. <laughs> or Whole Foods. <laughs> from all of the police eff- efforts, the investigators were able to establish several pieces of evidence that tie Rex Hewerman to the four deaths. Oh, boy. Almost all of the remaining information comes from court documents, and there's a lot of little pieces. Mm. Um, So I'm just going to lay it all out there, and if I confuse you, let me know. I can't say that it is the most um, fluid (laughs) discussion. Storytelling. (laughs) But it's from court documents. So yeah, they're not, you know, sometimes just jump around a little bit. At least you can read them and understand them and then give that information to us. Yes. Yes, I can do that. Appreciate that. So one of the key pieces of evidence was cell phone billing records corresponding to cell site locations for burner cell phones Mm. used to arrange meetings with the three of the four victims and they also had the cell site locations for the taunting calls made to the relative of melissa a call made by a detective to melissa's cell phone while they were looking into her disappearance and calls checking the voicemail on maureen's cell phone after her disappearance Mm -hmm. Um, in addition rex lived in massapequa park where all the victims were believed to have disappeared from Mm -hmm. and he worked in midtown manhattan near where the taunting calls were made to melissa's sister Mm -hmm. Police also noted that Rex would have the opportunity to commit these murders since his wife was out of town for each and every disappearance. Oh, yep. Melissa Bartholomew disappeared on July 10th, 2009. Asa was in Iceland from July 8th to August 18th. Mm-hmm. Asa was in Maryland from June 4th, 2010 to June 8th. And Megan Waterman disappeared on June 6th. Mm-hmm. Asa was in New Jersey from August 28th to September 5th, 2010. And Amber Costello disappeared on September 2nd. The police couldn't get the cell phone records or travel and financial records from 2007 due to retention policies. Mm. So they were unsure whether Asa was in New York when Maureen Brainerd Barnes disappeared. I'm going to guess no. Yeah, probably just. Not. I mean, mm-hmm. just the pat. if we're following the pattern. Could they ask her? I guess we don't know where she lands on all of this, if she's going to comply and give information or not. But I mean, she filed for divorce. <laughs> Good. So, yeah. Police looked at Rex's cell phone records. They weren't able to get specific cell site records for the time periods of the disappearances, but they were able to pull cellular billing records for his personal cell phone that was registered to the architectural business, Mm -hmm. as well as Amex records that confirmed several instances in which Rex was in the same general location Uh as the burner phones used to contact the victims as well as the use of Maureen's and Melissa's phones that were used to taunt the victims' families. 
This is all circumstantial, but all of these calls, every call, the investigators couldn't find a single instance proving that Rex was somewhere else during one of these calls. Which doesn't necessarily prove he's guilty, but it certainly doesn't prove he's innocent. That would be really bad luck. Yeah. It would be like really coincidental and terrible luck to be suspected. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, and then just be everywhere the calls are being made. Maybe beyond reasonable doubt, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> a reasonable person <laughs> might not come out the other yeah. way. Mm-hmm. The investigators mapped out numerous instances in the legal documents when the victim's phones and the burner phones and or Rex's phone were all headed to or from the same locations mm-hmm. at the same time. And they also noted that the burner phones made calls close to Rex's office in Midtown Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know Melissa Bartholomew's phone was used after her death, which likely occurred sometime on July 12th, 2009. Mm-hmm. On August 10th, so the phone was active. I, I, this is my understanding. The phone was active up until August 10th, 2009, at which point all activity stopped. Rex just happened to be traveling to Iceland. And he was there until August 18th, 2009. And the phone was silent until he returned from no. Iceland on August 19th, 2009, when Melissa's phone pinged to a cell tower about half a mile from Rex's office. And it was used to call and taunt Melissa's sister. First of all, like, I mean, we already talked about how awful it was that this person, likely Rex, yes. had done the taunting in the first place. But also mm-hmm. how stupid do you need to be I know. to carry around and like... And... <sighs> Rex made calls from the same general location as the call that was made to Melissa's family Mm -hmm. member, both before and after on his own cell phone. So like he sandwiched sandwiched the cell site locations with this taunting phone call. During the course of the investigation, investigators were also able to link Rex to online accounts and the burner phones held in fictitious names used for illicit purposes. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned before, the police obtained Rex's Amex records, and they saw a recurring Google payments charge made to Tinder. Investigators obtained Tinder records, which those must have been a fun read for all that were involved, (laughs) and they found a Tinder profile for Andy. Rex's middle name is Andrew. Mm, Oh, my God. The Andy (sighs) Tinder profile linked to a burner cell phone that was subscribed to the fictitious name Andrew Roberts using an email account with AOL springfieldman9 at AOL.com. That AOL email was created on January 15th, 2011 with the fictitious name of John Springfield using another burner phone that didn't have a name for the subscriber. Using Rex's cell phone records, investigators were able to determine that on December 11th, 2022, for over three hours, Rex accessed the fake AOL account that was linked to this Tinder profile. One of the burner phones linked to the accounts was also used to access that AOL account. A search warrant of the AOL account also revealed two selfies of Rex that he sent oh to God. other persons to solicit sexual activity. And he looks like the, have you seen my stapler guy? <laughs> no way. <laughs> One of the photos. Oh my God. The guy from Office Space. Oh my God. The two burner phones were used extensively in 2021, 2022, and 2023 for contact with sex workers or massage parlors. Mm -hmm. And the investigator said this is one of the reasons that they stepped in and arrested Rex when they did because they were afraid that he would strike again. Absolutely. Because he doesn't know that they're finding all this and have zeroed in on him and all that. Also, this, when I think about, I, I... 
want to be an investigator and figure th- like this is what I mean is yes. that kind of figuring things out and making connections this is there yeah. you need a Venn diagram between the burner yeah. phones and the AOL accounts yeah. and the like when he's accessing like, things that will be fun is the wrong word probably but that yep that's what I mean I don't mean all the other hard things that come <laughs> with it and like how you actually get that and all the paperwork you have to do and then I just so many papers yeah so many papers so many papers a lot of papers <laughs> yeah Again, the cell site locations of the burner phones were consistent with the general locations of wrecks, and investigators were also able to confirm via video surveillance that on May 19th, 2023, Rex was at a cell phone store in Midtown Manhattan, where he purchased minutes that were added to one of the burner phones. Well, there you go. That one, I, I mean, I don't, is that, that's still circumstantial, or is that, like, for real? Like, that's, that's... I get confused still. Well, it's still circumstantial because it's only, it's linking him to the burner phone. Right. And the burner phone is circumstantially linking him (gasps) to the locations. Okay. Yes. No, the direct evidence would be somebody saw him murder. Right. That, right. Mm -hmm. One of the girls. Okay. Yeah. Uh, In looking for records retained by Google linked to the two burner phones, the investigators found another fake email account, thawk080672 at gmail.com. And that was subscribed to a fake Thomas Hawk. We'll call this one the Hawk account for ease of reference. The Hawk account was linked to a burner phone that was used to conduct thousands of searches related to sex workers, sadistic, torture-related pornography, and child pornography. No. Just so you understand how fucked up this guy is. Uh, I'm just, I included a few snippets just so that you know. So, um, for example, quote, pretty girl with bruised face porn, (gasps) quote, tied up and raped porn, quote, nude slave girls, quote, crying teen porn and quote, chubby 10 year old girl (gasps) crying. What the fuck? so even if he's not the long island serial killer this guy's seriously disturbed like he needs help he needs an intervention yeah the hawk email was also used to conduct an excess of 200 searches between march 2022 and june 2023 for active and known serial killers and the specific disappearances murders and investigations into the murders of maureen brainerd barnes melissa bartholomew megan waterman and amber costello okay if we haven't said this before please stop killers using the internet stop using phones at least he did it on a burner phone okay but <laughs> he still got caught. But like, right. at least okay. he did it on a burner phone. Okay, I guess. But good God, stop using the internet. But he needed to, he had burning questions. For example, why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? And why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? I mean, he's like, come and get me, bitches. I, I kind of like that because he's like, all right, what, what remaining things do <laughs> they need? It's kind of like, it's kind of smart, <laughs> but it's a good question to ask. The Hawk email, this one gave me the chili willies. The Hawk email was also used to look for podcasts and documentaries regarding the investigation. Uh, And it makes me wonder if any of the killers have listened to any of our unsolved podcast uh, episodes. I don't like that thought. I think I Colby did them all. Yeah. (laughs) I think maybe I've done a couple. No, I don't like that. When does this stupid podcast? We don't know anything. We don't know anything. Everything's an allegation. By the way, this is all I'm. I'm including information from from the warrants. I'm not accusing anybody of anything in any part of this podcast. No. Any part mm-hmm. of, especially these two episodes. Absolutely, I don't not. know anything. Nope. Mm-mm. On Rex's phone, police found that he searched for the very task force investigating him and viewed articles about it. Oh so I actually think he did know that he was circling yeah. the drain. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And they got all this from, they, they started with him from the car. With the car. Wow. With the car and him matching the description. Sure. Oh, and sure. it was like yeah. enough to give them probable cause to get wow. the additional warrants and information. Crazy. That like Pandora, well, an, a good Pandora's box. Yeah. Wow. Yep. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Which is funny. This was actually in my notes. Um, I said, I feel like I'm in an infomercial. And we had that infomercial discussion today in our group text, which is funny. (laughs) Uh, And again, the police did work on this case. Like they got the info and they put it together. Um, In analyzing the information from the AOL account, the police found a third email Google account. And that Google account was created on February 14th, 2021, using one of the burner phones and subscribed in the fictitious name Andy Roberts that was also used on the Mm -hmm. Tinder profile. And it was the name that Rex gave to potential sex partners. Google provided the IP address information for the acceptance of the terms of service for that Google email. And then investigators got the optimum records for Rex's home and they confirmed a match on the IP addresses. Hell yes. <laughs> That's the shit I love. Yes. That yes. is, they investigated the oh, shit I love out of it. that info. I love it. And then Rex's IP address was also used to view gilgonews.com, a website maintained by the Suffolk County Police Department on May 23rd, 2020 and July 3rd, 2020. So this mm-hmm. fucker was just keeping an eye on the investigation. Somebody should introduce him to RSS feeds. Mm. really would have been a lot easier also when you say burner phone i imagine a flip phone with a little antenna um and i'm trying to picture doing all this on the internet on that phone and it occurred to me that we're talking about relatively recent now and that burner phones are probably like iphones (laughs) i I think they're not the flip phones with the shitty internet Mm -hmm. i think you can put minutes on an iphone i just realized that because i was like man i can't believe he's doing this all from it's all phone. t9 that's what i was imagining on the, you know the internet that made you panic if you accidentally hit the button because it was very expensive the only good news is you had about five minutes to x out of it before it loaded <laughs> touche yeah yeah wow. yeah so there was also some forensic evidence which ooh, is going to be ooh. great for a jury because juries love dna mm-hmm. uh, so much so that as i was writing this it made me think of it there are prosecutors in connecticut when they give their closing arguments when they don't have forensic evidence or good forensic evidence they'll remind people that they have unrealistic expectations of dna from shows like csi yeah. and that someone can be convicted without it yep but there's dna here yes <laughs> uh each of the four women were examined by the suffolk county crime laboratory maureen was left restrained by three leather belts one of which was around her feet and ankles and they found a female hair on one of the buckles of the belts megan had been bound by clear or white duct tape Two female hairs were recovered from near Megan's head, but they didn't belong to her. I'm going to answer your question. I know I'm holding it. <laughs> they also recovered a male hair from the bottom of the burlap used to wrap Megan. And Amber had been bound by three pieces of clear or white duct tape. And during the examination, they found a female hair on the piece of tape inside the burlap wrapping in which she was found. Mm. So during these examinations, the female hairs recovered were tested and they didn't belong to any of the victims, Mm -hmm. but they didn't have anything to compare it to other than the victims. Uh, On July 21st, 2022, a detective waited and snatched trash from Rex's house. Uh They recovered 11 bottles from the garbage and the bottles were swabbed for DNA. I'm going to talk science to you. Yes, please. One of those DNA profiles that they got from one of the bottles belonged to the same mitochondrial haplogroup as the female hairs recovered from the victims, Mm -hmm. which was confirmed by a second lab. Okay. 
in comparing the DNA from the house to the hair from Amber's body, the mitochondrial DNA profiles were the same at all compared positions at a rate that would exclude 99.98% of the North American population. Ooh, yeah. That's what forensics scientists say. We say it's a match for Rex's wife. I so I waited, but that was my theory. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it wasn't his hair. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't think it would be the, any any of the victims. The timing wouldn't have worked out on any of that stuff. Yeah. But I've I also always say that's you know one of the reasons I wouldn't commit murder is that I typically not pregnant, but typically shed hair everywhere, and that you would <laughs> immediately know that it was me. So I actually was thinking about that. I think it's hilarious that a man could get nailed for a murder because his wife's hair is at a crime scene and i did think of you because didn't you tell me that's one of the reasons yeah. you got your roomba is because like your hair is all over your bathroom oh, floor always it's everywhere yeah i don't know but i will say the the post the the um pregnancy hair uh not loss i don't know what the word for <laughs> retention <laughs> yeah that um is real because yes. it's been crazy but i think it's gonna be real bad for me after postpartum anyway don't commit murder postpartum because that's no. when you're gonna be dropping just like it's, clumps of it's hair it's been really freeing the past nine months though <laughs> on the next episode yeah. of grim uh, and then the female hair that was found on Megan was the same to exclude 99.69% mm-hmm. of the North American population. So again, Rex's wife couldn't be excluded based upon those results. We would say it was a match. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they matched each other. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, 99.98 versus yeah. 99.69 or whatever. Um, but we know that Asa was out of town or the country at the time of the three victims disappearances. Yeah. Um, so she was good. Wasn't her. Yes. Yep. Yep. So she's good. Concerning the male hair found on Megan, it was sent for further testing. The police didn't have a DNA sample from Rex, though. After the discovery of the Chevy Avalanche and the cellular billing records, they were all over him. So the cops watched him while he was at his Manhattan office, and he walked outside and put a pizza box in the garbage, and the police swooped in, and they took this uh, pizza box out. They sent the whole pizza box to the crime lab and they took swabs from the leftover pizza crust. <laughs> this is another grim lesson. Eat your pizza crust. Like, they're so good. Why are you eating them? He maybe would have gotten away with murder. That's if he ate what his I'm saying. Crust. Also, isn't it? It's, it seems like it would be exceedingly easy to get someone's DNA if you can truly get it from things. Like, think about all the things you, you, well, I don't like a lot of things while I'm out, but like, you know, you go and eat a, at a restaurant. Like, oh yeah, the, there's a million things that, yeah. like, you throw a soda bottle out or something. You can get fingerprints from yeah. glasses. Mm-hmm. It just seems like that part would be very easy. Yeah, okay. we would. People, I mean, if they want your shit, they're yeah. getting your shit. Yeah, and especially they if you don't just, eat your crust, they can just get like a court order for it too when they have enough. I information. was wondering. It seems like there's enough. They did. They here. did get a court order now. Okay. Um, but I think they were trying to connect things, and that's fair mm-hmm. game because he threw it out. I was gonna say, is that fair? Like mm-hmm. you can just take anything and that can be used you have no expectation of privacy of your pizza crusts in a public trash can it's fair Mm -hmm. it's fair yeah the laboratory prepared the mitochondrial dna profiles from the pizza crust and the male hair found on the burlap wrapping found with megan's body and the analysts concluded that the profiles were the same and that they could exclude 99.96 percent of the north american population rex could not be excluded as the owner of that hair aka it was his goddamn hair yep on july 13th 2023 rex was arrested 
Yep. At the time of his arrest, he was in possession of the burner cell phone linked to the Thomas Hawk email account. Perfect. Thank the one you. that the one that Googled all the nasty shit and the one that searched for all the Lisk investigation updates. Through his attorney, Michael Brown, Rex has said, I did not do this. And sure. I quote, I did not do this. His right, a- Clinton. <laughs> Define is. <laughs> his attorney said his client is innocent and he looks forward to his day in court. Yeah. Rex Hewerman was charged with three counts of murder in the first degree and three counts of murder in the second degree for the deaths of Melissa, Megan, and Amber. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been charged with Maureen's murder, but it's only a matter of time and he's the prime suspect. Totally. Basically, they just didn't have all of the same documentation they mm-hmm. did for these three because of retention policies. Mm-hmm. So I think now that he's in jail for these three, they're just like, let's make sure we get it right. Yep. yep. The investigation is ongoing. The police obtained a warrant to search the Hewerman home. Uh, the search went on for 12 days, and the police absolutely ruined the house. Mm. In fact, Asa and the children, Victoria and Christopher, have filed a notice of claim to preserve their right to sue the police for the damage that was done. Oof. They didn't just mess up the house. They left debris piled floor to ceiling, pipes disconnected so they what? couldn't run water. They slit the mattresses. I mean, like everything which like uh, to rex i'm like yeah good fuck you right but for the family who i assume had no idea that any of this was happening and i said rex's wife filed for divorce and she's currently undergoing cancer treatment oh my god and she said that her kids cried themselves to sleep every night and so i can see it both ways i understand that the police needed to tear this house apart. And they actually think because Asa was out of town that the murders may have occurred in the house, but they were strangled. So they're not likely to find like blood evidence. So I get, and like they're missing possession. So like they want to find a trophy or I get it. But this seems very much to me like a BTK situation Mm -hmm. where the wife and kids had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I just like, it is the equivalent, honestly. This is a successful New York architect. This yeah. is the equivalent of you going home to 17 police cars in your driveway and they're like, we're destroying your home because yeah. your husband murdered all these people. I, it, it, I cannot fathom it. No, no. It's Their insane. world was turned upside yeah. down and inside out. And I do feel very bad for them yeah. because I do not think that they no. had anything to do with Ugh. it. Um some are actually upset that Asa isn't being treated as a suspect because her hair was at the crime scene. But again, like she, she was out there. of town for every yeah. murder other than Maureen. So you're going to say she knew about Maureen, but left for the other ones. I just, right. and I it wasn't, she it. wasn't gone for like a day. She right. was in freaking Iceland. Right. Like, right. yeah. Uh, and they've voluntarily provided their DNA to the police, the wife yeah. and the children. And Rex is under an order to provide a DNA swab. Although they're like, ma'am, we already have your DNA actually. I know. <laughs> so pretty much. Pretty much. I, then I was thinking, so they're they're going to get a DNA swab from Rex. And I was thinking, like, imagine they, they run it and it's different. And he was like, I was just bringing my friend's pizza box out. Like, and the, oh. the, like you know, just, yeah. it was make me laugh to think yeah. about that. It's probably not that funny, it's, but I laughed. Okay. Thank you. The judge has issued a protective order to prevent the release of copies of case evidence to the public. Mm-hmm. And the next court hearing scheduled for September 27th, 2023. So what was the big news like that kicked off? Was it his arrest? Yes. Okay. Cause I, I'm so yes. serious. I have yes. stayed so far away from literally every news article. Yes. Okay. And that, that was, makes sense. uh, I'm like, what month is it? That was two months ago. <laughs> yeah. He was arrested Crazy. and it was one of those, like, really this guy is being wow. charged with these murders. And, but other people were like, mm, checks out. Yeah. Knew he had bodies still, but yeah. Wow. So I didn't really dive into alternate killers. Yeah. Um, 
really any Long Island serial killers because it's unclear how many there are. Oh, true. Um, yeah. Especially for the Gilgo 4 based on what's out now on Rex. The one I did see that's worth mentioning quickly just because it could be linked to the other body somehow yep. was John Bitrolf was initially suspected. He's a man who was convicted of second degree murder of two women, Rita Tangretti and Colleen McNamee in New York. Um, in July 2017, he was tied to it after his brother's DNA was partially matched to oh. DNA found on the bodies of the murdered women. So, I mean, if you're going to be a criminal, make sure that your siblings aren't. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> yes. a problem. Yes. It's a problem. Yes. He was suspected of being the possible Long Island serial killer because he was a carpenter and he lived in Manorville, New York, where the torsos of Valerie oh. Mack and Jessica Taylor were found. And also the adult daughter of one of his victims, Rita Tangretti, was best friends with Melissa Bartholomew. Sketchy. So that was just like a weird, yeah. like that was a weird coincidence. But it's, I mean, it's possible that he's linked to those other two bodies. Yeah. There's um, enough bodies to go around. So. I know. It's crazy. I know. So crazy. And unless the police have more information, which is like almost 100% possible that they do. They, didn't, um, they just didn't tell us. Yeah. yeah. I Based on, yeah, they like, they're <laughs> keeping weird. her under their tube yeah. and it's kind of bullshit. So ridiculous. And it's like by court order or whatever. So I mean, <laughs> rude. Yeah. Like, I think that sounds optional. <laughs> rude. <laughs> I think Rex is only responsible for the Gilgo Beach yeah. four and that there are other killers. Yeah. And that's based on, you know, the searches he was doing in the MO. But again, I'm saying... Well, on this phone, he searched these four people. So I'm like, he only had to do with these four. Maybe he searched five other people and the police just didn't include it True. in those documents. So yeah. I'm just saying, based on the information of I have, that's mm -hmm. what I think. I would agree with you. Um, and there you have it. Wow. This matter is developing. So hopefully we'll be able to provide some good updates. Yeah. Uh, and I still hope they're able to find more information and provide closure to the families of the yeah. other seven people yeah, who were no found kidding. on Long Island. Who at least, um, the only good thing about them being uncovered is you put names to like those, all those Jane Doe's were missing people that they, they didn't know. They probably suspected, but didn't know they had died. Mm -hmm. So now they have some closure with that. They don't have closure for how it happened or who right. did it. Um, but that's a step in the right direction. And I'm just thinking about how wild it is that there is, there's all this evidence that they've put together now linking him to mm -hmm. these crimes. Like I was reading the warrant. I was like, this is not insignificant. No. Like they have good evidence against yeah. him. Like they have really good evidence against him. And then it occurred to me like, this is, this is like, like, BTK, like they found yeah. BTK and when he was arrested and he was like this quiet guy and totally and the family had no idea. And it's just wild to think like that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. and, and it makes me sick because it's, it, as we always say, obviously I wouldn't want this to happen to anyone. Right. But I get very frustrated with people who do it to someone in, in the profession, like sex working or any, right. anything like that, that flies a little under the radar Yes. because you know, they're just taking advantage and they think they can get away with it. And it just mm -hmm. makes me extra mad about that. Cause he's, I mean, he's, got like you said even if he's not responsible for the deaths of these people he's got some serious problems and i hope no matter what like i'm curious if they'll charge him at all for like child porn or anything like that probably well i mean they could but yeah. i just they don't need to i guess maybe like can you keep that in your back pocket like if this whole murder thing doesn't work out you can was it, was do. it, what was the case we were just talking about? Was it Peter Manfredonia who had all those child porn images yeah. and they charged him and then he ultimately, no, was it him? No, 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 no it wasn't him. It was the, it was the pea bony. 
Um, oh my God, what was his name? Was it Stephen? Stephen. Mm, there's too many. Oh my God, my brain doesn't Listen, work. Listen, I'm the pregnant one. I don't know these things. Okay, hang on. Let me look it up real quick. Okay, I tell people all the time my brain is a colander, and I'm not kidding. Uh, it was that, Stephen. That was actually a 47 minute pause. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was Stephen McDaniel, and he was the one that murdered Lauren Giddings. We had that on right. our P Boney. Yep. And they charged him with um, like burglary, and then murder, and then like a whole bunch of child That's porn. Right. But yeah. they dropped the child porn when he pled guilty to the other crime, and you know wrote a confession. So, yeah. but yeah, if if there's if they found child porn, they could yeah. charge him with that. But those are peanuts compared well, to the true. murder charges yeah. but and it yeah. sounds like they'll have enough evidence and yeah. i mean we'll see how it develops but yeah, yeah. but they they have pretty <sighs> good evidence against him yeah so. i'll say so that's it well that is i'm glad i didn't read anything because it was so much i mean better is always the weird word with this but yeah it was you did a really great job telling it Thank um you. and you heard I, it you heard it live here first First, folks, <laughs> for folks, I should have quit while I was ahead. I'm going to stop saying yeah, words you, now. You did a good job. <laughs> I tried to keep my commentary to a minimum. It didn't nah, work. But nah, night. <laughs> okay. If you're enjoying listening to Grim, please rate and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts to make sure you don't miss any episodes. And you should definitely listen to this episode twice so that you can hear Laura's sweet voice before she leaves oh. us for maternity leave. <laughs> if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, make our day by leaving us a written review. You can find our page on Facebook by searching Grim colon a true crime podcast. If you want to subscribe to our Patreon, you can go to Patreon and search Grim Colon True Crime Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Grim Crime Podcast for information on future episodes and case photos, including the beautiful displays the police have put together for this case. If you want to send us case suggestions or just say hi, you can email us at grimcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Listen, learn, and stay alive until next time because the future is grim. Grim. <laughs>